Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We're in the series, this will be the last Sunday of the series, called Me and the Other. And we're looking at uh, John chapter 13, verse 34. The writer says, you know what, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the reason for that is very clear. You and I, by the way we love others, determines how the world looks at us. And so we have that responsibility. Life is all about relationships, me and the other. This morning what we're going to look at is righteous relationships. Righteous relationships. You see, there is a relationship that is much more important than what you probably imagine, and that's the relationship you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's critical. In fact, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he began in one chapter to straighten out some problems that they were having as they celebrated the Lord's Supper, communion, which we're going to celebrate this morning at the end of the message. And he began to tell them, look, here's the problem. You are coming into this meal and this time together, and all you're doing is thinking of yourself. You want the best seat. You want to have the best things. You want everything. You push others out of your way. You're not concerned about anybody else. All you're concerned about is you and what you get. It's kind of like when there's a church buffet. You want to be first in line, and you want to get the good stuff. And you don't care about anybody else. I know none of you are like that. This is all the first service people, isn't it? (laughs) And so he, he corrects him and says, look, you need to stop. This isn't right. He goes into the next chapter, and in that next chapter, he begins to see, you see, you're all a part of the body of Christ. Every piece of that body has a part to play. Each part is necessary for the good of the whole. God gave gifts, prophets, you know, teachers and those to the church and the apostles. He gave them a church so that the whole church could be built up, edified, and as each part does its part, then everything is healthy. And then he goes, what another next chapter is? The next chapter is chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. It's the love chapter. He says, look, here's how important this is. If you can speak all the languages of the world, know every language, and you even know the spiritual language, the heavenly language, but you don't have love, you're only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if you have the gift of prophecy, you can predict the future, you can say what's going on, you can give a great word, and you understand all of God's secret plans, and you know everything and possessed, and and you have all the knowledge that just makes you the smartest person in the room, and you have such faith that you could move a mountain, and you could pray and say, be gone, and it goes, it goes in the sea, but you don't have love, you're nothing. And if you give everything you have to the poor and even sacrifice your body, you can boast about it. You can tell everybody how great you are. But if you don't love others, you gain nothing. That's pretty strong. And so that's what he says. And then throughout the New Testament is this understanding, yes, I have to love everybody, but I especially have to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
You were born into a family, and now you're a part of a family. You have brothers and sisters in that family, and you have to love them, all of them. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. You love each other deeply with all your heart. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. In other words, what that says is you and I, we slip, we fall, we're not perfect, but we don't make a practice of it. It doesn't happen all the time because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously, you do what's right in God's sight, and does not love other believers, does not belong to God. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? It's pretty, wow. And if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love in them is still dead. And in other words, they're dead in their sins. And anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. And we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, it's easy to say, oh, I'd die for you. But this verse is saying something harder than that. This verse is saying, you and I don't have to have our way when it comes to the body of Christ and our brothers and sisters. I'm willing to set aside my wants, my issues, so that you can have what you want. I will die to self so I can live with you. All of these people, Pastor? Yeah. That's righteous relationships. That's a high calling. Now, to show us how to do that this morning, I'm going to go to the book of Philippians. And Paul there writes to this church a letter. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 of this passage to kind of show us how do we do that? How do I love my brothers and sisters? All right, you ready? So first of all, I pray for one another. Now, when I pray for you, I don't pray, oh God, get them. Oh God, change them. Oh God, they're messed up. Would you please help them? No, I pray, God, will you bless them? God, will you help them? God, will you use them? Will you let them know how loved they are? Notice how Paul begins this letter. He it says it's from Paul and Timothy. They're slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. In other words, Paul says, I'm writing to everybody in the church. This is for all of you. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. That's, that's a good start right there, right? And whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. When you pray, 
a big part of your prayer list should be the people here in this service. It should be the people that you see regularly on a weekly basis. In fact, you should be praying for them more than you pray for you. Well, I don't know everybody here. Good. Work at it. Father, I pray today for the person who was sitting in front of me three rows and had on the green outfit, and I don't know their name, but you do. And I pray that you'll just bless them this week, and may they know how much God loves them. And would you help them during the week to enjoy you and to enjoy life? Pray for one another. Again, not praying, God, get them, God, change them. God, you know they're a wreck. God, you know they're a mess. God, you know how distracted they were in the service today. And I pray that you'll help them to get better at that so they don't bother me. No, that's not what we do. Paul says, I pray for you with joy. It's not a burden, it's a delight. It's a privilege. I care about you, I love you. All of you, you're my family. And I will pray for you with a grateful heart and with great joy in my life. And so you and I should be part of a family to pray for our natural family, but to also pray for our spiritual family as well. To pray for our brothers and sisters. To care about them as much as I care about me. Because we're family. We're family. And so you and I spend time to say, I am going to take the time this week because these people, my family, matters so much to me that during the week, I'm going to be praying for people that I know in the body of Christ. That also means that at times, I get to pray for people in another country who I don't know, but are still a part of my family that God would be with them. I care about family, and I care so much, I pray for them on a regular basis. So here's the question. Do you pray for people in the body of Christ? Not just, well, you know, here's this prayer list, and, you know, there's a prayer chain thing. We'll pray for that. No, you just pray for the people you meet coming in and coming out. You just meet, pray for the people you see, the people you know. Pray for them with joy. God, thank you that they're a part of my life. Thank you that I get to see them. Be with them. Use them. Help them. I care for them. Pray for one another. Secondly, be a partner with one another. In other words, I need you. I can't do this alone. I need help. Notice what Paul says. For you, you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. These people haven't traveled with Paul. They haven't gone on all the missionary spots that all Paul's went to. And yet Paul calls them partners. You and I are partners together in sharing the greatest news there is on planet earth. The good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth died for our sins, and offers us life. 
and we work together. That's why he wrote in a previous chapter, remember that I told you in Corinthians, he said, look, we're all part of the same body of Christ. We need each other. And if you think you can do Christianity alone, you are sadly mistaken. And that's why I get a little, you know, just, uh, I have a little something goes on when somebody, well, I want to take communion, but I want it just to be me. Then you don't understand communion. Communion is, yes, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us, is doing for us, and going to do for us. But communion is also a time when I sit down with my brothers and sisters, and together we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done because we need each other. We work for a great cause. When we worship together, we sing together because we're one. Well, you know, I don't have a good voice. That's okay. Most of you don't. That's all right. We're family. We get to celebrate together and be together. And we're partners with a great cause. And if you think you work better alone, you're wrong. And if you try to do your own thing, well, this is the way I want to do it, and this is the way I think it should be done, you're not working as part of the family. We work together. I'll let it sink in for a while. If we're going to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to do that together. We need each other. Now, here's the thing. If you watch any of the um, specials on TV about animals and you watch the lions or you watch some of the the wolves, they have one way that they hunt. They always try to separate one from the herd. Because if they can separate the one, they can track it down and kill it. Do you know our enemy, Satan, that's what he tries to do with you, with me? Let me separate you from the body. You know, let me make you be different. Let me make you think you don't need anybody else. Let me make you think your way's better. Let me make you think that you've got it all together. Let me make you think that. And when he begins to separate you, you're doomed. We need each other. And so that means we work together. We all can't do everything. But together, we can all do what needs to be done because the Bible tells us that in this body, God has given us everything we need to accomplish what he's put us here for as each part of us does the work. And, well, I want to do it this way. Well, in every family, there's a head of the family, isn't there? Okay, I won't say any more. Be a partner together. Thirdly, realize that we're all projects. To put it another way, you're a piece of work. And all of us have some work to be done, don't we? I always get a little defensive when somebody starts ranting and raving about the church. Well, I went there and I did this and these people are like this and these people are like that. And and it's just kind of like, of course they did. They're not perfect. And Newsflash, you're not either. You belong there. If you're looking for the perfect church, sorry, doesn't exist. Why? Because we're not perfect people. None of us 
none of us have our act together. We blow it. We make mistakes. And here's what Paul writes to these people. He says, I'm certain, you know, we're partners together. We've done this. And I'm certain, uh, he's very polite with this, that, that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, God began to work on you. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times when I'm thinking, God, can we stop this process for a while? I've had about enough. But he keeps working. How long do I have to, how long does God keep working on me? Well, it tells us there, until it's finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Because none of us are perfect. And if you expect perfection, and if you're always getting offended because people, or you're always getting mad at people because they're not doing what you want them to do, or you, how you think it should be done, or you're always got something, well, this person did this, and this person said that, please understand something. We're all broken. We're all works in progress. We have not arrived yet. Everyone has potential. And God is working in you. And when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't know that you heard it, but you should have heard it. There should have been this little voice in your head saying to you after you accept Christ, okay, now let's get to work. And let's start working on that habit you got that isn't pleasing to me and not helping you. And let's start on that attitude that you have. And you've got this issue. Let's start dealing with it. Let's start working on it. And have you ever noticed that there's things in your life that you and God have been working on for a long time? God never gives up on you. He loves you so much that he keeps working on you. Well, I'm praying that God will just deliver me from this. I'm praying that God will help me stop that. God will work with you, but you have a work to do as well. It's a partnership that the two of you have to be willing to do. And so when you're praying for people, you're not praying for perfect people, are you? You're praying for people who are broken just like you. God, we just need your help. God, we're not what I need to be. And God, I say things sometimes I shouldn't say. And God, I got an attitude sometimes that just really stinks. God, sometimes I get mad and I shouldn't. And God, sometimes I look at people and they disgust me and they shouldn't. God, help me. The great thing about, I've been around here a long time. The great thing about it is this. I've had the privilege of seeing some people walk in except Christ and watch them over the years, and watch how God is working on them. And if you can look back over the years from when they started to where they are today, wow. Some of you are there, aren't you? But you know what? There's still a ways to go, isn't there? But God keeps working. It's never as fast as we want. Oh God, please help them to grow up quick, please. Soon. But I have to realize I am a work in progress. You are a work in progress. We are not there yet. And if you're looking for a perfect person or a perfect pastor, sorry, it's not in this place. But we can love each other in spite of our imperfections. 
Because isn't that how God loves us? And Paul writes to these great people. He says, you're my partners, I love you. And you know what? God started a work in you when you came to him. And I know something. He's going to continue working on that until your life is done. I believe God can work changes in people's lives. But here's what I know. It always takes longer than what I want it to take. I wish you'd just change me in some areas right away, but it just takes longer than I want. And so rather than looking at what's wrong with people, why don't you, when you pray, look at what's right with people? And pray that God helps them and just continues to bless them and use them. So we realize that we're all projects. You know, no one in the family is perfect. Then I need to make a place in my heart for one another. I need to make a place in my heart for the other person. Because here's what I know. If you think you can't love any more people, you're definitely wrong. God has all the love in the world for you to have to give to somebody else. And here's what Paul writes to these people. He says, it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you. You know, for, for you have a special place in my heart. I wonder how many people Paul wrote this to and said this to. A lot, huh? You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. Pastor, I just can't pray for that person. They just rubbed me the wrong way. Well, first of all, you've now proven you're not perfect. You have to work on your compassion and your judgmentalism. It's not good to be judging people. And aren't you glad God doesn't treat you like that? And I have to be willing to make a room in my heart for everyone. But you don't know what they did to me. I can still love them. I can still make room for them. And some of you have closed your heart up. I'm not loving anybody else. I'm not letting anybody else in. I've had enough. I can't handle any more. I just want to be by myself and be on my own. And you know you really get that place when you just want to move away from everybody and go hide out in the hills somewhere. That's not how God created you. God created you to be a part of a body. To care about one another. To love one another. Well, I can't love them. No, I'll never believe you when you say that. I will believe you when you say I won't love them. I'll believe that. Because you can if you want to. And here's what I know. There is enough room in your heart if you are willing to love every person in this room. Some of you, I don't want to think about that. Oh, man, no. Am I caring and compassionate about others? Because you make room in your heart for your brothers and sisters, don't you? That's who they are. And so you make a room in your heart because 
the family of God is just as important as your physical family. In fact, one day, Jesus was teaching. There was a crowd around him. One of the disciples came up to him, maybe bent over, whispered, Jesus, um, your mom and your brothers and sisters, they're outside. They want you. Jesus looks around and says, who's my brothers and sisters? And he says, anyone who believes is my brother and sister. And he just made people who follow Christ and his natural family equal. That's a big step. But that's what he did. Because you see, one day, you're going to be in heaven with your family. Not just your natural family. You're going to be in heaven with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I don't know. I don't like crowds. I got to love all those people. And you know right now as you're sitting here, you're thinking, boy, I hope they're not there. But you see, he made room in his heart for other people. He placed those people that have accepted Christ as a part of his family, and he made room for them. Because they are my brother and sister. Well, but what about if they do this? They're not perfect, are they? They don't have it all together, do they? but they're still my brother and sister. Well, I don't like my brothers and sisters. They're still your brothers and sisters. Will you be compassionate for them? Will you share with them? Will you love them? God expects you to do that, doesn't he? Yes. Seek for God to be praised. Well, why do I do this? Because God said so, and I want to honor him. I want him to be glorified. Notice what he says. He says, I pray that your love, your love for one another, will overflow more and more. In other words, I pray you'll just keep loving and loving and loving and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. The world will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another, by the way you love your brothers and sisters. And when we do that, Why do I do that? Because I want God to be honored. I want God to be glorified. I want God to get praise. Look at the way they love each other. You know the greatest compliment that anybody can ever pay us as a church is if somebody walks into these doors and says, boy, those people love each other. Not, oh, it's a great service, great message. Not that. No, no, no. It's, wow, the love of God was there. That's what matters. And some of you are very good at loving a few. But God says, you have a lot of brothers and sisters. And I expect you to love them all. 
And I will give you the ability to do that. Remind yourself you're not perfect either. Remind yourself that you need each other, that you can't do this alone, that you need help, that you have something to give to others. Don't separate yourself. You are a part of the family of God. So what happens is we come to a time when we're going to take communion. The church at Corinth got criticized because they didn't care about each other. They didn't care what the other person, they were just looking out for themselves and communion, the supper was all about them. And Paul writes to them and says, stop it. And he says, it goes on and says, look, here's what I mean. Before you even take communion, you should take a moment and look at yourself. Because you're not thinking of others and all you're doing is thinking of you. And you need to stop and search your heart about that. And so today we come to the table, so to speak. We're going to take communion. Communion is for those who've accepted Christ as their Savior. And we gather around the table. For many of you, most of you, one of the greatest times in the years around the holidays when all your family is together. Even the one you can't tolerate so much. But we're all there. It's a special moment. It's a great time. Well, here we are today, getting ready to celebrate. And the family's all here. The family's here. Here we are, brothers and sisters, loving one another, caring for one another. So it's just not about just me and God, this moment. It's also about me, God, and us. God, thank you for placing me in a family. God, thank you for letting me be with these people. You know, you didn't get to choose all your natural family. You don't get to choose all your spiritual family either. God, thank you. It's what makes this time very special for us. God, thanks for what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do. Help me never forget. And God, thank you that I don't have to be alone and that I have a family to care for that loves me. And so just before we take communion, could we just take a moment, all of us, and do what the writer encouraged us to do at this communion time is take a moment and just look at ourselves. God, would you help me? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this morning, here we are. Gathered with the family. And we get to take the elements in a moment. And Lord, would you help this not to be just about me? Would you help this to be about us? I am so grateful for what you've done for me. 
But God, I thank you for these people that you've placed in my life. That I get to be a part of their life. And they get to be a part of mine. Thank you. Help me to not just be selfish in this. You gave for all. Thank you for that. And so, Lord, would you minister to all of us today as we take part in this great time to remember. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.